Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is Saturday, July 23rd. This is the Congregation of Prayer. On Saturdays, uh, we like to consider tomorrow's Old Testament and Epistle reading. Uh, I do it a little bit more extensively here online than maybe what I would suggest you just do at home. But even at home, uh, it's worth reading the readings, looking at the hymnody assigned for tomorrow. Um and maybe then uh, looking for some devotional resources or not, uh, but at least making yourself familiar with both the readings and the hymns. And it's pretty easy to do that. They are printed on the back of the Congregation of Prayer, the half sheet, uh, the blue sheet from the previous week. So you can just pull them up there. You get the the readings and the psalm and the hymns are all listed there. Um, Or you can look for the the email. It usually comes out on Friday, sometimes Saturday, the, the prepare email that has links to the bulletin, has links to the announcements and to this coming week's Congregation of Prayer, uh, as well as uh, links to previous services, uh, sermons, and catechesis. So, lots of ways to get to it, uh, but we do it here in kind of a formal way so that um, you'll be best prepared. And then I like to bring in some other resources to help maybe flesh out the themes of the day for you. All right? You know, with a 12 to 15 minute sermon, there's only really so much that we can cover as far as the preaching of the word. If I had 45 minutes, I might spend half an hour just preparing you to hear the last 15 minutes, right? Uh, But I don't, and I don't know that I necessarily need it either. All right, you can do this work. We are competent. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, memory verse one more time. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. All right, Uh, our epistle for tomorrow comes from the beginning of Romans 6. So you'll see uh, maybe some of the con- more of the context that leads into this verse. Our psalm is Psalm 119, beginning in 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield, I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love, and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding, that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above 
fine gold. Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Old Testament reading for tomorrow is from Exodus chapter 20, the giving of the law. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet, covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. All right, hold on one second. I just need to close my door. I don't know how much noise folks will make, so I'm going to make sure that the door was closed. Um, okay, so some some discussion about this. Of course, the giving of the law. You know how Luther has us confess the Ten Commandments, um, according to the uh, small catechism. Uh, Luther is reflecting upon Jesus' own teaching of the commandments throughout the Gospels, uh, I would say namely from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where, one, um, Jesus rightly confesses that the law brings all people under sin, right? It convicts the world of sin and of unrighteousness. And uh, so then the, the Lutherans later will uh, will call this uh, lex semper accusat in Latin, which means the law always accuses. But you'll remember Luther also has, or recognizes that the law is the word of God, and thus um, it also has its practical application. Uh, the Holy Spirit applies it to your life. So, um, for example, what it prohibits, um, it also, it's, it's encouraging the, its opposite, right? So, for example, um, having no other gods means that you have one God, right? Not committing murder means that you, you protect and support um, those whose lives might be taken from them, right? So, fifth commandment applies to, say, um, our defense of unborn life, right? Children in the womb. You shall not commit adultery, so the opposite would be you shall uh, build up and protect marriage, right? Uh, you shall not steal, and the opposite, you should help your neighbor protect his possessions and income, right? So you have that. Uh, so you, you, uh, Luther rightly recognizes that the law um, used by the Holy Spirit, it, then the Spirit convicts us of our sin, um, leads us to uh, repentance, um, that we might receive the gospel, that is the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit uses um, 
uses us, works fruit, fruit in keeping with repentance, uh, fruits of forgiveness that uh, reflect then the commandments and love toward our neighbor. So um, this is, uh, obviously this section is used widely throughout our confession, being the giving, the explicit giving of the law. So, you know, anytime we talk about the Ten Commandments um, in our confessions. Um, but I thought you might look at uh, Article 5 of the Augsburg Confession, uh, which we might call Love and the Fulfilling of the Law. Article 5, um, which talks about the law and its relationship to love. And I know we've had this conversation before, uh, but he's going to bring in uh, or refer to Exodus here. So listen to this regarding the law. We profess that the work of the law must be begun in us and that it must be kept continually more and more. At the same time, we also speak about both spiritual movements and outward good works. Therefore, the adversaries, that'd be the Roman church, falsely charge that our theologians do not teach good works. They not only require good works, but they also show how they can be done. Ah, the result convicts the hypocrites who by their own will or their own powers try to fulfill the law, for they cannot do the things they attempt. Human nature is far too weak to resist the devil by its own powers. He holds us captive, holds as captive everyone who has not been freed through faith. There is need for Christ's power against the devil, for we know that for Christ's sake we are heard and have the promise. We may pray for the governance and defense of the Holy Spirit, and we may neither be deceived and erred, nor be pushed to do anything against God's will. Psalm 68.18 teaches this very thing. Quote, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men. End quote. Christ has overcome the devil and has given to us the promise and the Holy Spirit in order that, here's the key, by divine aid, that's by God's doing, we ourselves may also overcome. So 1 John 3 verse 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, end quote. Again, we teach not only how the law can be kept, that is by, uh, by the working of the Holy Spirit, but also how God is pleased if anything is, is done. This is not because we satisfy the law, but because we are in Christ, as we shall explain shortly. Therefore, it is clear that we require good works. In fact, we also say this, our love for God, even though it is small, cannot possibly be separated from faith. For we come to the Father through Christ. When forgiveness of sins has been received, then we are truly certain that we have a God. You shall have no other gods before me, right? That is, that God cares for us. So when forgiveness of sins has been received, that is, you shall have no other gods before me. That's God working um, faith and then the reception of forgiveness and casting out every idol from its throne. That is, that God cares for us. We call upon him. We give thank him thanks. We fear him. We love him, as 1 John 4, 19 teaches. We love because he first loved us. In other words, we love him because he gave his son for us and forgave, forgave us all our sins. In this way, John shows us that faith comes first and love, that is the fulfilling of the law, follows. Likewise, the faith of which we speak exists in repentance. I mean, that faith is conceived in the terrors of conscience, when, which feels God's wrath against our sins and seeks forgiveness of sins, seeks to be freed from sin. In such terrors and other troubles, this faith ought to grow and be strengthened. Therefore, it cannot exist in people who live by the flesh, who are delighted by their own lusts, and obey them. So, Paul says in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
so too we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's uh, Romans 8, verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. All right? and you'll see that connect to Romans 6, which we'll hear in a minute. Paul is writing about faith that receives forgiveness of sins in a terrified heart and flees from sin. Such faith does not remain in those who obey desires, neither does it dwell in those who, have, or who dwell with mortal sin. All right? Um, later on, the commandments come up again, all right, and it referring to the law. So listen to this. This is still um, Article 5 of the Augsburg Confession, I believe. Actually, eh, no, this is Article 3. Okay, let's not read that. Never mind. Um, again, it's used, it's used throughout this text anytime I would like to confess the, the law. So first commandment, second commandment, third commandment, etc., fourth commandment, all the commandments, um, in the large catechism, uh, anywhere else that would be helpful? I'm just looking here. Yeah, we have to talk a little bit about um, this idea of love then too, but also um, what is the purpose of the law? And um, that's going to come up in the gospel uh, in particular, and in this Sunday being the Sunday of brotherly love. Uh, we'll leave this. We'll leave this text aside for now. Um, there's so much more that could be said about the law, but that's probably good for now. All right. And then our epistle is from Romans six. Again, this is going to be regards to the law, but also regards to baptism. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. Um, So you hear here, Paul, again, talking about our relationship to sin, but we can't talk about our relationship to sin without talking about how we come to know sin, that is through the law, right? So as we've been as we've been set free from the bondage of sin, so we've also been set free from the accusation of the law, right? Uh, and now we live in faith in the Son of God, in Christ Jesus, alive in him and dead to our flesh, all right? Uh, again, this text is, ooh, it's quite popular, uh, used frequently throughout the Lutheran Confession. Uh, where should we go? Where should we go? Uh, let's talk about baptism. All right. Therefore, every Christian has enough in baptism to learn and to do all his life. That's such a profound statement, isn't it? Every Christian has enough in baptism to learn and to do all his life. We don't have to invent new works. Uh, it's enough for us, actually, um, to live within our vocation, um, confessing our sins and being forgiven um, as we first received in our baptism, we receive daily in the absolution. 
For he, it's the Christian, has always enough to do by believing firmly what baptism promises and brings. Victory over death and the devil. See Romans 6, right? Forgiveness of sin, God's grace, the entire Christ, the Holy Spirit with, all, with his gifts. It's, a, it's enough work for us as baptized Christians simply to um, trust in our baptism. In short, baptism is so far beyond us that if timid nature could realize this, it might well doubt whether it could be true. Think about it. Imagine there was a doctor somewhere who understood the art of saving people from death, or even though they died, could restore them quickly to life so that they afterward would afterward live forever. Oh, how the world would pour in money like snow and rain. No one could find access to him because of the throng of the rich. But here in baptism, there is freely brought to everyone's door such a treasure and medicine that it utterly destroys death and preserves all people alive. Isn't that beautiful? Um... Then, again, referring to uh, Romans 6, I think implicitly, uh, later on in the heading under infant baptism, again, large catechism on baptism. Lastly, we must also know what baptism signifies and why God has ordained just this outward sign and ceremony for the sacrament by which we are first received into the Christian church. The act or ceremony is this. We are sunk under the water, which passes over us and afterward are drawn out again. These two parts, to be sunk under the water and to be drawn out again, signify baptism's power and work. It is nothing other than putting to death the old Adam and effecting the new man's resurrection after that. All right, and he has in mind Romans 6. Both of these things must take place in in us all our lives, being put under the water for death and being raised to new life. All right, so a truly Christian life is nothing other than a daily baptism, once begun and ever to be continued. For this must be done without ceasing, that we always keep purging away whatever belongs to the old Adam. Then what belongs to the new man may come forth. But what is the old man? It is what is born in human beings from Adam. Anger, hate, envy, unchastity, stinginess, laziness, arrogance, yes, unbelief. The old man is infected with all vices and has by nature nothing good in him. Now when we had come into Christ's kingdom, these things must daily decrease. The longer we live and the more we become gentle, patient, meek, and ever turn away from unbelief, greed, hatred, envy, and arrogance. All right. Um, Also, he says later on, here you see that baptism, both in its power and meaning, includes also the third sacrament. What? There's three sacraments? Yes, there is. Which has been called repentance, or we call it absolution. It is really nothing other than baptism, right? So do we need three? Well, When you confess your sins and are forgiven, it's nothing other than baptism, Luther says. What else is repentance but a serious attack on the old man that is lust be restrained and and, and entering into a new life? Therefore, if you live in repentance, you walk in baptism. For baptism not only illustrates such a new life, but also produces, begins, and exercises it. For in baptism are given grace, the spirit, and power to suppress the old man so that the new man may come forth and become strong. All right. Uh, let's see, anything else? Oh yes, law and gospel, right? I mentioned that before, right? So, of course, baptism being the new, giving of the new man and the drowning of the old man belongs to the gospel. So, for example, Solid Declaration, Article 5, these two doctrines, law and gospel, we believe and confess, should always be diligently taught in God's church forever, even to the end of the world. They must be taught with the proper distinction of which we have heard, A, through the preaching of the law and its threats in the ministry of the New Testament, the hearts of impenitent people may be terrified. So that's the purpose of the law, is that impenitent people be terrified of their sin and confess, right? 
and b that they brought to the knowledge of their sins into repentance. This must be not be done in such a way that they lose heart and despair in the process. Quote, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Galatians 3. So the law points and leads us not from Christ, but to Christ, all right? So, uh, who is the end of the law, Romans 10, verse 4. So when you're reading um, Exodus, as you see, as we heard before, you're supposed to be thinking, how does this lead me to faith in Christ? In other words, where have I fallen short and where has Christ fulfilled this law for me, all right? Did he have no other gods? Yes. Did he call upon God's name in prayer? Yes. Did he uh, remember um, God's preaching and his word daily? Yes. Did he honor his father and mother? Yes. Um, did he support his neighbor in their, in their bodily need? Yes. Um, did he uh, protect and uphold marriage? Yes. Does, does he um, help his neighbor pr- protect and preserve his possessions and income? Yes. Right. Does he bear false witness? No. Does he actually build up other people's reputation? Yes, he does. Right. Um, and is he greedy or covetous? No. So you think about it. Jesus fulfilled the law for us on our behalf. People must be com- comforted and strengthened again by the preaching of the Holy Gospel about Christ our Lord. In other words, to those who believe the gospel, God forgives all their sins through Christ, adopts them as children for his sake, and out of pure grace, without any merit on their part, justifies and saves them. However, he does not do this in such a way that they may abuse God's grace and may sin hoping for grace. Hmm. Shall we continue to sin? By no means, right? Paul thoroughly and forcefully shows that this in the distinction between the law and the gospel in 2 Corinthians 3, right? Oh, this, this is really important when it comes to the commandments as well. I think there's so much confusion as to what the purpose of the law is. Um, people falsely think they can keep it, and they falsely think that they can be a Christian just simply by keeping God's law outwardly, um, even when inwardly um, they are rebellious and in unbelief, right? No, only Christ... Uh, coming through the good news proclaimed of his forgiveness of sins can save. So again, to the purpose of the law, the law indeed says it is God's will and command that we should walk a new life, but the law does not give the power and ability to begin and to do it. The Holy Spirit renews the heart. He is given and received not through the law, but through the preaching of the gospel. So preaching the law without the gospel makes no difference except for convicting people and leading them into despair and shame. That's all it will do, unless forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Therefore, the Holy Spirit uses the law in order to teach the regenerate from it and to point out and show them in the Ten Commandments what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and and perfect, and what good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk. He encourages them to do this. When they are idle, negligent, and rebellious in this matter because of the flesh, he rebukes them through the law. So the Spirit carries out both offices together, He slays and makes alive. He leads into hell and brings up again. For his office is not only to comfort, but also to rebuke. For it is written, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, which includes also the old Adam, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16. Sin is everything which is contrary to God's law. St. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. And to rebuke is the law's special office. Therefore, as often as believers stumble, they are rebuked by the Holy Spirit from the law. By the same Spirit, they are raised up and comforted again with the preaching of the Holy Gospel. Hmm. To kill and to make alive. Or how does he say it? To slay and make alive. 
to lead into hell and to bring up again. All right. Um, so if uh, there are Sundays where you feel as if, or you think, I'm not really all that concerned about how you feel, um, but rather what you think, you think that um, that you are mostly a good person and you don't need church. Um, that's a lie that your old Adam is telling you. Um, or on the, on the other hand, the other extreme, um, you think that your sin um, keeps you from the grace of God. That's also a lie, right? Um, though, yes, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. It will show you your error, right? It won't allow you to think that you are, um, that you are outside the need of forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus, but it all, always leads you to forgiveness and is proclaimed richly and fully throughout the divine service and hopefully um, in the preaching of the word. So that, um, yes, you are called to repentance and yes, you are forgiven freely for Christ's sake so that you can go in the Lord's peace, alive in Christ Jesus our Lord to quote Romans 6. Very nice. All right, let's confess our catechism for the week one more time. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I come to your altar at your invitation to receive the holy body and precious blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I confess to you all my sins. I am heartily sorry for them. For Jesus' sake, I forgive my enemies and all who have sinned against me. I believe that you give me the forgiveness of sins and the gift of new life and salvation through the body and blood of my Savior. Through the Lord's Supper, strengthen my faith in Christ, increase my love for others, grant me faithfulness in my vocation, and give me the joyous hope and confidence of eternal life and salvation in Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, by your own words, you have instituted the Lord's Supper, teaching us to believe that it is your true body and blood under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. We give thanks to you for this precious gift. Give us true faith in your words that we might receive your body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation as you have promised. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. Sing praise to God, the highest good.
with healing power our souls he fills and every faith let's murmur stills to God all praise and glory what God's almighty power has made in mercy Let us pray. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you, that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the faith, for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Pray today in Thanksgiving with Jackie, who celebrates her baptism. Pray with the households of our church, especially Neil, Lenore, David and Sherry, Doug and Nicole, Shirley, Ray and Susie. Pray for in Thanksgiving with Tim for healing. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dorothy, Dan, and Brad. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We pray in intercession for the preservation and increase of chastity among us. And we continue to pray for those grieving, uh, the family and friends of Brooks and of Luke. For all this, let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. It's been a joy to have you with us here today on this Saturday. Uh, By the way, if you didn't notice, or if I didn't answer all your questions, it's because I pre-recorded this. I'm on uh, probably on my way at this point, or long since on my way uh, down for my niece's birthday party. So uh, take the family down there, which is a joy. Actually, I don't know. Have we actually been able to do something together? No, um, went on vacation, but not everybody got to go because Dorothy, of course, was in the hospital. So uh, this would be good for my family to actually see uh, Anne and Dorothy, who they haven't seen since long before she went in the hospital. So um, in any case, uh, hopefully safe travels. We'll see you tomorrow, Sunday, for Divine Service at 9.30. Uh, so make sure to be here for that. And then Bible class following uh, until you know roughly quarter to noon or so. Uh, tomorrow we'll continue. We'll pick up in Zechariah chapter 9, um, that famous passage starting, I think, in roughly about, yeah, verse 9 or so, um, which we hear every Advent. So it's worth our in-depth study. So we're going to do that. All right. Lots to talk about there. So um, God be with you today, and we'll see you tomorrow for in person for divine service. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.